Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck Did You Make Me Watch? The podcast where we find the best and worst of film, TV and new media and try and make each other love or hate it or at least like it enough to rate it by giving it some fucks. And we are your hosts, Michael and Davina. This week it is all about true stories and we have dug up some gold for you from murders and murderers to women wrestlers to music moguls. I had fun this week, Michael. I usually, you know what, I'm not a big fan of docos, but I really had fun with the true stories. Well, yeah, that was my apprehension here. It was like, true story sounds very doco to me. Fuck. But... I did not give you docos, are you proud? You didn't, no. And, uh, you know, I was... I was suitably pleased with the results, actually. Um, It was an interesting place to go. You should be impressed because I missed an absolute gimme to give you something that would drive you up the wall. Yes. I know how much you love documentaries. Yes, yes. So you resisted temptation and uh, some pleasing results. So can't wait to get into it. Uh, Before we get into it, though, make sure you jump on your social media channels and say g'day. Give us your suggestions. Over on Twitter, we're at WTFU. Make me watch on the facial books. We are WTFU. Did you make me watch? And of course, you can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Now, this week, Davina, we are <coughs> going to kick off with your movie that I selected for you. Um, and another one of my bad habits of choosing something I haven't seen because I want to see what you're going to make of it before I decide to watch. Um, so I found a little one for you called The Most Hated Woman in America. Take a listen. That's the Lord's Prayer. And the glory. What the hell's going on in here? Excuse me? In the Constitution, there is something called the First Amendment. The school board cannot force my son to pray or anyone else. So sue them. Washington, D.C., the U.S. Supreme Court declared prayer in school unconstitutional. This is about religious freedom. Here comes the hate mail. Madeline Murray opened the doors of her new American Atheist Center to much protest. The most hated woman in America. The nation's most famous atheist. Suddenly vanished. Don't you know who I am? Hello, Madeline. What we want, a million dollars. My organization is a non-profit. We both know that there are a few offshore accounts. You don't think the police are going to be looking for me? No, Madeline, I don't think anyone's going to be looking for you. Jack Ferguson. You know Madeline Murray O'Hare? She's disappeared. So The Most Hated Woman in America is a Netflix special. It follows the story of Madeline Murray O'Hare, who was an atheist uh, who challenged the right of religion and prayer to be in public schooling in America. And... As you can see with what the world is like at the moment, that didn't go down so well. It started when she found out that um that her child was being forced to uh, recite the Lord's Prayer every morning. And when he asked to be excused from that, the teacher said, no, mum's gone, you know, hang on a minute. This isn't right. Mum's also just finished studying uh, law as well. And she's like, it's unconstitutional. And the teacher um, is like, well, sue the school board for all I care. And she's like, all right, I will. So she did. <laughs> 
Um, <sighs> so she took the Baltimore public school system all the way to the Supreme Court, and yes, they declared prayer in school unconstitutional, which set off an absolute firestorm across the country. She protested a number of things uh, in the same realm, like astronauts reading scripture before launches and the idea of America as one nation under God, like in the, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and she set up a, an organization called American Atheists as a not-for-profit to continue the fight, and that organization continues today. I love that. Yeah, she literally became the most hated woman in America in like the 60s and 70s simply because of her fight to ensure freedom from religion as part of the package of freedom of religion, which is freedom of and, you know, freedom from. As it should be. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So much. Exactly. So it it follows kind of her story and the impact on their family as the town and then the entire country turned against her. And uh, when Madeline, her, uh, when Madeline, her youngest son and granddaughter, are kidnapped, um, only one person, a young black gay Texan man, <laughs> um, believes that they're missing or even wants to do anything about it. So the police are refusing to look, going, yeah, whatever, she'll just be off doing something or. You know, um, he enlists the help of a reporter, manages to convince him that no, absolutely, they have, they've been they've been kidnapped, and then they start doing the investigation. And sort of alongside Jesus. it, we can see what she's experiencing in in the kidnapping um, uh, saga. That's full on shit. Yeah, and the thing is, Madeline herself, you think about she's not flawless, which actually causes most of the complications. Um, in this particular story, including the estrangement of her eldest son uh, and her own abduction. So halfway through this, he goes, I actually can't live for your life anymore. I need to go and live my own. This is the same son that was at school and was told that he couldn't be excused from prayer. And oh, like, right. The one who started it all. Yeah, and that'll, right. that'll, that'll come back a little bit later on in this story. Madeline, is, she's emotionally manipulative. She is foul-mouthed. She's unrepentant. She is single-minded. And she is funny. Um, I like everything about this woman. I, I she's know. magnificent. She is brilliant. She should be um, friends. She's the biggest burr in the backside of organized religion and her family as well. Like, there's this great line in, it that, you know, in the movie, which is, you know, the closer you get to her, the more you hate her. Love it. Um, which is, you know, fair enough. My first impressions around this are that, like, I actually looked at the trailer and I just went, oh, my God, I want to watch this. I can see why you went, I'm going to make Davina watch this. Yes. And, you know, this is a really important debate to be having when you think about the rise of, and I'm not going to get too political, but the rise of extreme religion, um, including extreme Christianity um, here in Australia, over in America, in, in other uh, countries around the world. Look, we've even been having our own similar debate with um, the High Court challenge to the federal funding of... Christian chaplains in school that was oh, declared unconstitutional. Yes, gosh. Um, yeah, so this is this is actually important for people to have a look at, even mm. just to understand the fight for freedom um, from religion as as a fundamental part of freedom of religion. So, in terms of the characters, my favourite is the relationship between Madeline and her father. It their relationship is delicious it is absolutely beautiful so he is this crotchety devout christian man uh, yes. who is so disappointed in his daughter because not only does she have one child out of, born out of wedlock which he calls a bastard at one point to his face <laughs> and she just she just goes off because uh, she's a full you know like mama tiger but then she announces after he's done that that she's pregnant with number two on the way. So oh, delicious. These two were constantly at each other's throats and the scene where she reveals that that second pregnancy is, is here is fantastic. She won't leave the house without lecturing him to ensure he won't convert her kids to Christianity while she's gone. 
It's good. Um, nice surprise in this. Mrs. Lutz, the teacher at the very beginning, who's like, see the school board for all I care. Perfectly played by, of course, and I think a little bit typecast, Anna Camp from Pitch Perfect and was also Sarah Newland in True Blood. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Tiny part, perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, remember how I said earlier, so a little true fact to you, Madeline's eldest son, mm. who's, who kind of kicked this whole thing off and then, you know, halfway through went, I can't keep living for you and left to, for his own career and whatever. To this day, he actually continues to fight to reintroduce prayer in public schools. Are you serious? Yes. Oh, fuck, I love this shit. Okay. So he went the complete God opposite. bless America. Yes. And there was a fantastic moment as well where she actually partnered up. She went on Donahue. Uh, you may remember that fabulous from the oh, 80s yes. and 90s. Oh, God. That's um, gold. Yeah. So she went on that and they, were, they had one of those, um, you know, one of the uh, American part, the preachers are really, oh, do you, what do you call them? Like the guys with the, the giant churches, you know, like televangelist. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. Yes. Thank you. Televangelist. And, you know, and it was this giant kind of fight between the two of them that just went off. And at the end of the show, he leans over to her and he covers his microphone. He's like, we can make a lot, a lot of money, you and I. And, and she's like, oh, I wouldn't you know, get anywhere near you. And he's like, just think about it. We could make a bucket load of money. And then next thing you see, they're doing a tour of the two of them having debates in town halls. Ah. It's great. She's not, she's not flawless, but that, as I said, is what causes half of the complications, if not all of them. So the story is told through flashbacks from today to 20 years ago. As it fills in the gaps, you can kind of start to identify what's going on and who it actually is that's kidnapped her, um, her youngest son and her granddaughter. It relies on the tension of mystery to kind of start this and kick this thing off. Um, and then because of that real tension, you get swept up in this crazy story. This is kind of, it feels like one of those stories where, <clears throat> excuse me, the crazy cat lady who lives in a caravan, you know, with 20 cats and yells at people and everyone hates <laughs> her, is kidnapped. No one wants to know what happened, but really there's this ridiculously fantastic story that sits behind it all that is just, you just can't, you have to see it to believe it. Four fucks. Four fucks. Four fucks. Four I like whole this fucks. one a lot. And the subject matter is really important for us to look at. Freedom of religion, freedom from religion go hand in hand. And it's such, I think it's a great watch. And I loved it. Even though it wasn't a commercial success rating, uh, like uh, um, review wise for them, I actually loved it. Yeah, well, it's not one of those things I've heard millions and millions of great things about. I kind of just found it when looking through Netflix. So Yeah, yeah so there you go. So The Most Hated Woman in America, you can watch it if you're interested in that by um, jumping onto Netflix. Wonderful. Now, Michael, I found another one. Um, I didn't, yes. I, didn't, I didn't give you spoilers for The Most Hated Woman in America, but I'll just say it didn't necessarily end well for her. Uh, but in that same theme... Jack Black has appeared in a movie called Bernie. Yes. Now, I don't think I've, I've expressed to you before my distaste for Jack Black, have I? You haven't, but he's also it's not an entirely comic role. Yes, yes. So, he's, he's got his serious pants yeah, on a little a, bit. Pre-watching it, I hadn't disclosed to you my, deta- my distaste. So when no. I saw it pop up and I was like, Jack Black film, I'm like, ah, you fucking bitch. Yes, well, check that out. Um, quite happy to pass this one on to you. I haven't seen it, but I was really interested in it. Again, I did. I pulled a U. I went, oh, I actually want to see this. I'm going to make Michael watch it. Have a bit of a listen to Bernie featuring Jack Black. Can I tell you, I am not fond of cremations. I just don't like the idea of someone spending eternity in something the size of a motel ice bucket. <laughs> he was the nicest guy in town. He was about the most popular man in Carthage. Real people, person. Just made you feel real good about yourself. 
It's like he'd cast a spell over the entire area. Room service. And she was just a mean old widow. She used to tear up my toys. She pulled the heads off my dolls. Well, there's some goodness in there, too. Who says opposites don't attract? She doesn't have anyone. She's a very lonely person. She needs someone. Uh, you sure about that? From the director of School of Rock and Dazed and Confused. It was widely assumed that Bernie was accompanying her places. Oh, yeah. Bernie took her everywhere. They went to Russia, Acapulco, New York City. They went to Europe. Always first class. He bought jet skis, nine cars. This spring, somewhere along the way, it was just Bernie. He was her servant. She was demanding. You should have been here hours ago. Condescending. All I want is for you to be a man for once in your life. Even conniving. I know you hate me! No! Everybody else. I don't know how the guy stood it. A woman like that with a bad heart, he should have just shoved the pillow right over her face. All right. I like it when actors prove me wrong. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I mean, Jack Black can be funny sometimes, but by and large, I kind of, he's one of those one note characters that I kind of just, I kind of get over very quickly. I've seen, you've seen a couple of his funny things. You're like, I'm just really not interested anymore. Um, but then this, I saw this and I went, oh my God, it's got Shirley MacLaine in it. Yes. And after seeing this, it's got Jack Black in it. We also see that it has Shirley MacLaine and Matthew McConaughey in it. Correct. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. So we we're, we strap yourself in because it's an obscure little what-the-fuck kind of story. Um, so Jack Pike play, plays a character by the name of Bernie, funnily enough, um, who is basically this raging homo that uh, lives in this little Texan town. Um, and it's kind of like an elephant in the room. Like, he's such a homo, but he's so charismatic that all of these rednecks around him just kind of flies over their head. Nobody seems to notice that he's the big gamo in the room. Um, and he comes in and his job, which is shown in the opening scene, is um, like a mortician-beautician where he does all the rest of the things that, as a mortician does. However, um, you know his finesse is in making them pretty and putting the makeup on them and doing their hair and their nails and everything. Um, and basically, we get taken through for the first quarter of the film um, – how he came to be just you know turned up got this job in the small town and then just took everybody under his wing and everybody just kind of fell in love with him because he was so charismatic and he was just so friendly um and really just so camp like he was just camp as tits and even like you see these scenes with like the straightest of all straight people um just like getting along with him and just like you know sitting there with a, a bunch of big-hatted texans showing them how to do their taxes and it's it's just such an obscure relationship um obviously based on a true story and they, they they show this film um kind of in that whole um post event flashback talking to people like you would almost see in a documentary um so we don't see it as a, a clear narrative it's like bits of footage with him interacting with people flashback to people talking about it then go to more footage and then flash in and out like that through the whole thing um which is a little bit jarring but it, it kind of works, but it also puts you in that driver's seat from the beginning where you know, obviously, some shit went down at the end and we're working our way towards that. Yeah. Um, and so we get that first part that introduces us. Then we move into Shirley MacLaine coming in as a character, Marjorie, who's this little rich old lady that he becomes friends with. And they go out and they have lunches and they have dinners and they spend all their time together. Um, 
And that's when all the characters start doing the question about his sexuality. And they're like, oh, well, you know, well, he was a little bit effeminate, but, you know, he spent all this time with her, who was like 40 years older than him. Yeah. Um, Therefore. Yeah. And so I saw them kiss once. I saw them holding hands. Um, And that relationship escalates and, you know, they're going overseas on holidays and you cut to the accountant and he's like, she spent about $100,000 paying on them to go on overseas holidays together. Um, Lucky Bernie. Oh, yeah. Like, he's living this lavish lifestyle as her friend. Um, and then we start to hit the the crucial point of the relationship where she becomes really fucking needy. Um, and they switch from friends to she actually convinces him to stop working full-time, go back to part-time, and she actually employs him to basically do everything she needs to be her companion and to get a dry cleaning and to go out to lunch and dinner with her and to basically be her friend. So to, to be her kind of like paid live-in staff member with friendly benefits yeah, in a friend space. Pretty much. And the reward for that is he, she also signs over um, all of her finances to him. He becomes her power of attorney. He has got access to all of her money because she doesn't have any family because also the opposite to this is she's a total fucking bitch and everyone hates her. Which is, uh, Shirley MacLaine is such a good bitch. She does so well. Um, so she's just this demanding, sharp tongue fucking bitch that people just hate. Um, her kids hate her. Her grandkids hate her. They've tried to take her to court before, so she's not talking to them. Signs over all the money to him. Um, and it's tricky to not reveal a, kind of a big plot point spoiler here, but I think it kind of happens just before or near the middle of the movie, so I'm going to reveal it. Um, the major plot point is that she gets so bad and so frustrating for him um, that one day she's been out trying to make him kill armadillos with a gun and she just pushes him over the edge and he just snaps and he picks up the gun and he just fires it four times in the back and kills her. Beautiful. I don't think that's actually a spoiler because we kind of get that in the trailer. Okay, cool. Great. Well, I hadn't seen the trailer. went straight in for the movie. Um, and so that follows in the rest of the movie now where he then goes on for a, a, an extended period of time pretending that she's still alive but nobody gets to see her. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, that's a beauty, beautiful part though. I love it. He gets all of her money and he starts spending it on everyone in the town because mm. um, she must have been fucking loaded. I think they said at some point he spent about $650,000 Um like buying a small business for somebody and buying you know, a cubby house for somebody's kids and cars for this person. Meanwhile, he's still living in his own shitty little house with his own shitty little car that he's paying off on a lease, um, but forking out all of her money on all of these other things. Um, and nobody really seemed to care. He's like, oh, yeah, she's sick. She's, you know, she can't come out. She can't talk. She can't come to the phone. And everyone's like, yeah, we don't give a fuck. We hate her anyway. Um, except for the accountant who's like, I need to talk to her. It's been months and months and months and months and months. Um, and so that's... Pretty much the duration of the rest of the film is is the search for when is he going to get busted and how is that going to happen. Yep, right. Uh, and cue, obviously, Matthew McConaughey, who plays the detective who's out there um, looking into things as well. So he's probably the second most, um, you know, on the ball kind of character who's out there looking into things um, and who really believes that he could have done this. Um, it was the rest of the townsfolk. They're just like, no, he's just like the nicest person in the world. They all love him. They hate her. Um as characters, all three of those leads just do thing, do it fucking brilliantly. Jack Black, um, it's great because he's not that over-the-top wanker that he is sometimes. Yeah, he can be pretty extreme and you're kind of like, oh. And, and a little bit like that reputation of just even just being in like 
almost like hangover movie style roles. You yeah. Know, when it's just getting drunk and partying and, and you know, whipping his willy out of things and you yeah. know, that kind of... This was completely the opposite. It's like they gave him a handful of Xanax and went, let's just bring it right back down. Um, and he does. So much more refined. The character is really, really well done. It's not over the top. Um, and it's funny as fuck and just it's real gentle subtleties. It, it's done really well. Um, and particularly when it's juxtap- juxtaposed by people talking about him and then cutting into him actually talking and doing things, you, you, it makes you laugh. Um, Shirley MacLaine does the arrogant bitch so well. You hate her, everyone hates her, um, and at the same time, you're pissing yourself laughing at her as well. Um, she's just such a pain in the ass. Um, and Matthew McConaughey, look, I could just listen to him with that accent and look at him all day. He's fine. Like, you know, I can just imagine, you know, it's funny when we talk about you know, him going out and playing, you know, his bongos nude and whatever at midnight or something underneath the stars and howling at the moon. Yeah. I can totally imagine him doing that. Like I just, I'm like I'd just like to hang out with you for a night because I reckon you'd be a heap of fun. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, he's got the the Texan cowboy hat on the whole time too. You know, yeah, look good at old you. cowboy. Just like hello. Yeah, and look overall, you have taken me by surprise. I found it really good. I give this a full. I give it four and a half ups. <gasps> well done. I'm so yeah. glad we got some things that we liked this week because last week with the vampires, it was just all this is really really shit. Yes. Hey, can I give you a really cool um bit of in, like uh, f- a factoid about this film? Yes. So in 2014, um. They a judge ordered the early release of Bernie. Oh wow! Guess where Bernie went upon release? Where he where? went to live with the director um, Linklater, Richard Linklater of this film. Wow! So the actual Bernie went to live. Yes. With, wow. With with Richard Linklater, um, the the director of the film. Yeah. There you go. Because of course, based on a true story, and that's what I love so much about this too. This actually happened. Fucking hilarious. Yeah, I know. It's um. I just thought I'm, I'm like. I saw it and I'm like, are you serious? Mm. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Okay, you're listening to WTF or What the Fuck Did You Make Me Watch with uh, Michael and Davina. And yes. I'm kind of at the halfway point. Now you have given me a, another telly movie this week. Yes, a nice little Australian telly movie again. We're just rustling through them. Um, but it was it was based on a true story. I mean... TV shows based on a true story that aren't like this fucking true crime shit are a little bit tricky to find for me. So I thought, I hate this so much without ever having watched it. I just had to force you into sitting through uh, Channel 7's telemovie Molly featuring uh, Samuel Jackson Johnson. 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 Samuel Johnson. Samuel Jackson is the American actor. Uh, Samuel Johnson. Have a listen. Superstars of a generation. You know them because of one man. Mr. Mildred, seriously, everyone just calls me Mom. We need something new. A rock show. The entire country's been waiting for it. Just tell me who I have to root to make it happen, and I'm in. I stuffed it, didn't I? No, I think they're really looking forward to that route. Going live, people. Let's go. Want all of this on national television? Hey, 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 hey. Don't worry, Ian. It's only three million people watching, eh? I don't know what more I can say, but uh... run right out and do yourself a favour. These are the hottest acts in the country. This one is a beauty. Oh, I'm gonna 
already started on cold chisel. How could you devote an entire hour of countdown to kiss? Hey, boys! How you doing, Molly? You've written the songs that are the new for the... Right, don't do this to me. I will not allow this to happen on the taxpayer's dollar. Who's Madonna anyway? I'm the Donna. It's a long way to Prince Charles. Actually, I saw your mum driving the carriage. You mean Her Majesty the Queen? Does he seem more molly than usual? Out of control. Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. On the face of this shelf. Pull your head in. No one's irreplaceable. Oi. I was like, not another fucking Australian telly movie, <laughs> Michael. We have done three in the last three weeks, not to mention this baby cost me 15 bucks and three hours in time. Oh, no, you didn't. So, you know what? Oh, Screw you, hippie. Jesus. Um, okay. I'll get to that in a minute. The telly movie Molly looks at the life and times of Ian Molly Meldrum, a famed Australian music journalist, producer and um, host of Countdown uh, and icon of the Australian media landscape. And if you're Australian or you've been to Australia, you will know who Molly Meldrum is. He's got the big hat and he's a big old homo. Exactly. He fell no off the ladder one, once. Yeah, no one would have had, I think, any more more influence on the music industry in the 80s and 90s and then and then Molly Meldrum. He knew everyone from Elton John to John Lennon to Kiss to Skyhawks, Carly, Susie Quattro, all the big rock, rock and pop musicians wanted to be on Countdown and he had this way of making friends with them so quickly that, you know... Madonna would walk past, you know, and he'd be like, oh, hey, Madonna, you know, like they know each Everyone knows Molly. Everyone. Yeah. Hey, Madge. Hey, and John. If, yeah, and if you were in, if you were an Australian musician, you had to get on Countdown. Oh, yeah. That was the number one thing that you had to do. It was huge. I mean, even to the point where um, Prince Charles' royal family were doing a, a royal visit to Australia. Oh, yes. Yes, and Prince Charles said, I will do one interview, one interview only, and it must be with Molly Meldrum. They That's just, the highest highest honour for Molly there, isn't it? It is for Molly. Um, so this story, the kind of story starts with his recent, and when I say recent, a couple of years ago now, fall from a ladder landing him in hospital with a brain injury. Mm. Uh, and it flashes back to both his early childhood and then his, also his late teens, early 20s, with how he got started in music and Countdown itself. It kind of focuses more on the show than his music production career, but don't don't be mistaken, he did a lot in that space. But it does take a really close look at his personal life as well, including his long-term trans best friend, Carolyn Jenkins, played by Ben Gerard, and his, um, shall we say, flexible sexuality. Because he was engaged to a woman at one time. Oh, really? Yeah, through oh. uh, that, that's, it was Molly. also shagging men on the side. Through to his, you know, it was also looking at these friendships and relationships with men, and it it really also shows the challenges of uh, pulling together Australia's first music TV show as a colour broadcast, not just looking at pop but rock as well in a very conservative TV landscape for the incredibly conservative ABC, who is Australia's national broadcaster, our public broadcaster, um, kind of like the BBC, or I'm not even. Sure. What's I don't even know what the American version of that is. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know because ABC is commercial over there, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's our public broadcaster. Um, as I said, oh, my first thoughts were like, oh my god, I don't really want to watch this. It's another freaking telly movie, and you know, I've never spent so much on something that was produced for free to air TV. Uh, but it's really, really. Really good. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh. really good. It is bloody fantastic. The casting, I think, is one of the main reasons. The casting and the story, because he's such an interesting character with such an interesting life. It is 
fascinating. Wow. So Samuel Johnson, as you mentioned, um, is spot on as Molly Meldrum. He's out of this world and not just with the costume and the hair and the hat, but he was the full embodiment, the walk, the talk, the energy, everything. He was beautiful. Um, and well, it, did get, it did get him or partly got him the gold logie. It got him yeah, the gold logie, the silver logie, plus uh, another um, – he also got Best Supplement. Lead Actor at the Australian Academy of Cinema TV Arts Awards. Oh, uh, ben, th- ben Gerard, who played um, Carolyn, the uh, trans best friend, was also was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of the drug-addicted best friend. And for anybody outside of Australia, a logie, which sounds such a, such a weird word. A logie is like our um, – A poor ver- – very, very poor version of the Oscars. No, the Oscars, what's the daytime? The Emmys. It's like it's like our version of the Emmys. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a really, really poor version of it. Ah, yes. Um, another thing, that another person that was amazing in this was Benedict Hardy, who played Alan Wade, who was an ABC executive, the one who actually um, greenlights Countdown, oh, and yeah. the one that they have to deal with. And he is so uptight and so conservative and is so good as the in-control exec in complete opposition to the chaos of Molly Meldrum, who would just, you know, he's all over the place. Oh, yeah. You know, he doesn't plan anything. He doesn't have to because it's all in his head. He just kind of runs with stuff. So it's this, it's this wonderful kind of, the two of them, uh, they play off each other beautifully. It's gorgeous. And as we said last week in when we talked about Queen of the Damned, Damn. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Australian make Australia makes very, 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 very bad American film. I.e., don't come work with us with an American cast with an Australian budget. It just doesn't work. No, we don't. It just doesn't work. But we do on occasion make cracking Australian drama, and this is definitely one of them. Um, the subject of Molly is so rich and deep, and as I said, he he knew. Anyone who had ever picked up a guitar, famous or not, you know, mm. it's one of those. If you if you're watching any other music by Pippa about a, you know, we in excess the other week or Olivia Newton John or whatever, I can guarantee you he smoked bongs with all of these people <laughs> or, or drank champagne with them. Of course, uh, until, or took the really fucking good drugs in a club that nobody else knew about. Yeah, exactly. Or he shagged them as well. You know, he was he was literally. With everybody, like, and I mean that in like a friendship sense as well as a, as a, as a you know, a relationship one. He had this insane level of music knowledge and count, you know, at the time Australia wouldn't, we had nothing in the way. Like, they, even mm. they broached the subject in the, in the telly movie about how um, Australian uh, radio and stuff at the time was literally just Australian artists singing covers of well-known American songs that had just been, you know, doing well in, in America. Yeah. We weren't producing our own stuff. Countdown entirely changed the landscape for Australian music, and and on, for that alone, it's it's fascinating to look at. Um, it's oh god, how many fucks? Four and a half. Casting oh. is spot on. The script is brilliant, and it's such a beautiful representation of Australia in the eighties, like oh. the cars. There. There's almost that like that kind of golden glow through. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That just mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you were when you're a kid in the in the eighties. It is well worth a look, even if you're not Australian, simply because of the role of Molly in music, not just here but internationally. I found it on iTunes. I only was for some reason I wasn't able to rent it. I had to buy it. But um oh. look Gather round at a friend's place and and watch it with a group of you because it is it is great. Um, the biggest what the fuck for me was it cost me fifteen bucks Australian and it was three hours long because it was two episodes of one and a half hours each. But it's awesome. Jeez, you know we also have to watch this part of that as well. And we should put it up on our socials. Um, 
Samuel Johnson trying to give his uh, Logie, Gold oh. Logie acceptance speech. Yes, and then, then Molly Bulls Kanye. Molly Bulls Kanye gets up on stage with his... He wants to give him his own hat and he gets up there and just like pushes him out of the way and just like... Nobody had any idea what he was saying, and everyone was just like, "All right, Molly, great. Oh, let's just mate. let's just take that away from Samuel. Off you go." He ended up apologising for that, but I, if it helps, he he did have his brain injury not too far before that. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Yes, uh, and I gave you one of my favourite kind of films. Oh, sorry, not films, TV shows yes. at the minute. A friend of mine recommended, actually a few friends recommended it to me. And then I found, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And then I found out it was actually based on a true story. And all of a sudden I went, oh my God, this is amazing. I have to keep watching it. I made you watch Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Have a listen. In this world, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And I will not be bullied into submission. You're reading the man's part. Oh, God. Would you like to start over? Yes, I would. I will not be bullied into submission. Sorry to interrupt. Your wife is online, too. I'm interested in real parts. Got $83 in my bank account, and I don't know if I can pay my gas bill. Ruth, there's an audition. They're looking for unconventional women, whatever that means. Hello, ladies. I'm Sam Sylvia, and this is Glow. Sorry, what's Glow? Gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Are you hiring actors to play wrestlers, or are we the wrestlers? Go! Yes. Christ. Ah! Fucking actresses. Okay, I want you to meet the star of Glow, Debbie Egan. Are you insane? Why is she here? She's the alpha and you're the omega. Submit. She might kill you. This is Sebastian Howard, our producer. This is my first Hollywood party. There are drugs in the fucking robot. Thank you. Wrestling is about type. You're a sexy party girl. You're an Arab. You mean stereotype. Yes, bingo, exactly. You're a big black girl. The fuck you say? Yeah, now when I started watching this, I actually I had to double back and do a Google and be like, is this based on a true story? Did she get this right? Um, Especially because I was so hardcore with you this week as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Like, Have you watched like, this? I'm like, it's not a true story. It's based on a novel. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, bitch, did you get this right? <laughs> um, and yes, yes, it does. Um, so Glow, short for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, um, which was actually a TV show that premiered in 1986 and it ran for four seasons. Um, and so that was the inspiration for this show. Now, as we've talked about before, our our rule and my rule in particular is you've got one episode to impress me um, or at least get me hooked. And this one should do it. I only had one. I've only seen one and I'm I'm there. I, th- I think it's interesting. It gets so much better too. It gets rich, bigger and better the whole way along as their characters develop. And yeah. It's, it's definitely worth a look. It's amazing. Absolutely. And I um, suppose that's the one thing about this um, is in terms of character development and, and characters to talk about from the first episode, there's actually not a huge number. We really have our main focus hones in on Ruth Wilder. So Ruth is basically this out-of-work out actress um, and 
oh my god, the first scene with her that it opens with is fucking devastatingly hilarious and also just completely appropriate for how women are treated in the acting industry. She's in there and she's giving this audition and this is really empowering, fantastic thing and she delivers her speech. She puts it down and she's like, you know, wow, that's great. It's so good to see parts like that for, for women in the industry these days. The casting director's like, you just read the man's part. Yeah. And then she's like, could you read a woman's part now? And she <laughs> reads it and she's like, uh, so your wife is on line one. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the woman's part. Yes, exactly. So she's, indicative. She is trying so hard and, and, and you can see that she wants something more because she thinks that she's so much better than, we, we can be so much better than this. And yeah. She's a great character. You, 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 you swing between loving her and hating her. Yeah. And you really get that from the first episode. It's like, because she's so passionate and she's so desperate to you know to be an actress and she's so dedicated to her craft but then she has a habit of being a little bit shit and just a little bit annoying um and she's just she's not trying she's not giving up and she's just continuing to try um and you see her after this audition she she basically stalks the um the casting director into the bathroom and the casting director's like did you just fucking wait in here for me for an hour just so that you could harass me? She's like, yes. So the casting director calls her back um, the next day and she's like, right, okay, you didn't get that part. I found this other thing for you. Turn up and you ever stalk me like that again, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> so she's like, okay, great. And she turns up, she's got no idea what this is for. She's in this room full of varying different women of shape, size and colour. Um, and in walks um, Sam Sylvia, uh, who is the guy directing this show, um, to tell them that they are there to be wrestlers. Female wrestlers. Mm-hmm. He's like, if you don't want to do it, get the fuck out. And um, and that's kind of his, his general attitude. He's just like, fuck off, shut up, do as I say. I'm the men, man, you're the women. Just fucking get with the program or get out. I know, it lights a cigarette, you know, get the hell out. And like three quarters of them do. Yeah. <laughs> and you've left with just this small group of women. Yeah, pretty much. And then um, basically the whole first episode then just focuses on him starting to whittle down, you know, the cast. And he just girls get up there and he's like, yep, no, out, go. Yeah, I don't like the look of you. don't like the sound of you. You're annoying me. Get out. Um, It was all very horrible as you're seeing these women just crushed because these are a room full of women who are just desperate to do something or be something or make something of themselves. And this is a shit gig, but they're there because it's something and it's going to be on TV. And um, so he gets down to, to Ruth and Ruth comes in and she's like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to come up with this and it's going to be great. And she's um, in with this other larger woman and she's like, all right, let's make up a backstory. And they go in and she's going to give her best acting chops into it. And they get up there and they sound like shit. And he's just like, all right, now nah, you both cut. And she's like, what? You know, stands up for herself. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, all right fine like i don't know i don't like you i don't like something about you i don't like the look of you the sound of you whatever sophie's choice one of you one of you stays one of you goes you tell me why should you stay and not her you know and she's like i'm a great actor and i'm going to be passionate and powerful and wonderful about this he's like, all right and the other one it's like my dad's a famous wrestler person and everyone's like oh my god you stay and so he kicks her out Boohoo, mm-hmm. sad her. She goes home and she basically dedicates herself to to creating a, a wrestling persona and and how she's gonna you know come in and be super amazing. And she walks in a couple of days later to come in and take over the auditions and just you know wow him with this new character that she's got. And she's pretty shit again. 
Yeah. 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 She's pretty shit in general is what makes it so funny. Yeah, yeah. She's And she's trying so hard. And then in walks um, her friend, uh, Debbie, who, uh, sidebar, we've seen her banging Debbie's husband um, a couple of minutes beforehand. Yeah. And Debbie comes in and she's like, you fucking bitch. The fuck do you think you are? Smackdown. Yes. And it's like watching, uh, you know, WWF begin. And they basically end up in the ring and start beating the shit out of each other because she's fucked her husband and she's pissed off about it. Um, and bam, you've got everybody's attention. He's like, that's the shit we're after. Cut. That's Bring the end on. of our episode. Um, and it's all done. Like, it's a really simple story in that amount of time. But the, the, the grittiness of the show, the way it's filmed, the characters, um, how they're all just so devastatingly raw i think is what's really appealing about it um and then again the fact that we're like this is actually something that happened i really want to see this get to the actual show and then see the behind the scenes of how they were creating it and and what went on i think that's going to be great to go so did you did you notice that mm -hmm. um if you also if you search uh, glow on netflix they also have uh, a documentary that I actually think once you've finished watching it, go back and watch the documentary because uh. it is actually amazing to watch as much as you hate documentaries. Yeah. Um, but it actually follows the real women who were all of these characters um, oh, okay. in, in, in the show and them getting back together and, and, and what happened in the four years and when it got cut and all of those. And they, and they end up having a bit of a reunion and you can see them all in the room together. It's amazing, especially after, so at the end of the series, go back and watch the doco. All right, we'll have to do that. Well, look, I give it a solid four fucks. Oh, yes. Nothing yes. below a four today. Yeah, fours, fours across the board. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. You've been listening to... What, what the, the fuck, fuck did you did make, you make watch? watch? With Davina and Michael. Now, next uh, uh, next episode is number 20, Michael. We've made it. Huzzah. Huzzah, huzzah. We are going to celebrate with some yes. zombie action. Yes, zombies. The living dead. They have arisen. They are here. They're alive. They never died. How are you going to kill them? Who knows? Everyone has to kill them differently. In some different Can ways. Kind of like vampires in that way, isn't it? Yes. Right. So we look forward to joining you again. Yes. Next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I don't think I'm going to even say that. It's probably yeah. copyright. Oh, well. Oh, what? Well, whatever. See you next time. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Do what the fuck.